I mean, I'm not going to take necessarily poke fun of the fact that it's pissing rain in Florida right now. Even though I have to admit that it does get a bit tiring every time Kevin Barker or somebody else comes on from Florida and Wagner's the worst of this. Ah, man, it's so windy out there. I guess, you know, when it's 84 degrees and the wind's blowing in. So uh, give us a weather forecast, Barker. Will we see? Will we see, honest to God, honest to goodness, Grapefruit League baseball this afternoon between uh, your Atlanta Braves and my Toronto Blue Jays? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a lot of things. A weather person, I am not. Uh, I I just know that I looked at the weather app and it says at 12 o'clock there's a 100 percent chance of rain. Done eating. What what else do you really need? Uh, so I you know that that's uh, that's I guess part of that. I know looking out my window at my hotel room right now, it's 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 uh, it's coming down like cats and dogs. It's biblical and, stuff, uh, isn't it? It absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, I do know the schedule for the Blue Jays is, is, is everything's indoors. They're having a general player meeting at 10 o'clock. Uh, and I know that Atlanta has not left their complex. They're taking batting practice there. Whatever that will tell you, I'm really not sure. But it sounds to me like they're they're headed in the direction of there probably is no baseball today. The guys like rainouts in, in spring training. The, the players... The players enjoy the interruption of the routine. Well, only the only way you like uh, rainouts is if they call the game as soon as you get to the field. If you get to the field and you're trying to find things to do, Bark, we're gonna have to reset you. Your uh, your line just cacked on us. Is that a word, Ethan? It is. Already got two thumbs up. The uh, Jays beat, or I'm sorry, the Jays lost to the Philadelphia Phillies eight seven yesterday. I'd say. Probably realize by now I don't pay a great deal of attention to the scores in Grapefruit League games. Point of fact, I score every game I watch. The God's honest truth is I usually stop keeping my scorebook after the fifth inning. Once anybody of importance is gone, unless there's a reliever I need to pay attention to, I generally just kind of deteriorates into scribbles and doodles. So, uh, But the Jays did lose 8-7. Relvis Martinez had another home run. And um, Jose Barrios, eh, had kind of that crap spring training outing everybody has every now and then. One and two thirds, seven hits, six earned runs. Not really a bunch of stuff to write home for. I think probably the most interesting news, and I don't even know if we qualify it as news, because news sort of suggests that it's something big, it's either something big or it's big good or big bad. The fact that the Blue Jays renewed the contracts of uh, Alec Manoa and... Um, and Bo Bichette. And essentially, pre-art players, they, they really have no... Pre-art players have no power. You're basically going to get what the team wants to give you. It's nice if you can come to an agreement and you know, everybody's copacetic. When you're renewed, it just means that you didn't agree to the money the team offered. And it can be, it can be a variety of things. Like, I don't think anybody's really going to get their panties in a knot over the fact that the team the team offered offered them 30000 less than they wanted. Bo will make up whatever the difference is. But I think in a, in, a, in a lot of players' cases, they just say, you know what, I think I'm worth more than the team does, so just on principle, I'm not going to accept their offer. They're going to have to renew me. Anyhow, we'll talk to Shai Davidi about that. I guess it might have some implications if you're worried about whether or not the Jays could sign Bo or Vladdy. Bo in particular, long-term. I, I don't read it that way, but we'll see what Davidi says. Hey, we got Mr. Barker back. How come, it, how come we can talk to you in, from the middle of some godforsaken field in Florida and everything goes fine, but you're in your fancy hotel room 
uh, at the Ritz in uh, in in wherever wherever Ritz it is. You're in your fancy hotel. I saw. Come on, I saw the butler just walking behind you, and 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 your phone doesn't work. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't. Ha- I don't. I don't have Jeff Blair money. Okay, I I, I work on. I, you know, I, I'm I'm one of the small folk at, at work at Sportsnet, so. You're, you yeah, are. I have to. I have to. St- I have to stay in the Holiday at Holiday Inn Expresses. I'm not still rich. You're funny. I'm cleaning up my own room. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's. Uh, so, what do we need to talk about here? We'll wait for Davidi to join us before we get into the nuts and bolts of uh, of 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 the contract. Um, and uh, you know, yesterday we talked about the whole Brick Gardner thing. Ross Atkins had a couple of interesting comments. I thought I mean, maybe the most interesting thing, Kevin, we'll start with here. We'll start with this. Maybe the most interesting thing is Ross, because the rosters have been expanded or going to expand to 28, he really seemed to open the door to carrying three catchers. That was the most newsy thing I took yeah. out, of his, out of his news conference. Yeah, I guess so. Look, what's he supposed to say? What's he, is he going to say, no, we're good. We, we got our, our roster set. There's only going to be two guys. It's not going to be three guys. So it's... You know, I, it just gives a, a Kirk an opportunity to to make a team, and and you know, it, again, if you're watching the games like we are, and if you're thinking about who uh, is the best guy to go north, now I haven't asked the pitchers who they'd rather throw to. It just seems like the the, the way that that Reese McGuire is matched up with certain guys that that they sort of slotted it in that way. But if you're realistically looking at it, who can help your team the best? Is Reese McGuire a better hitter than Alejandro Kirk? I don't think so. So if, if if it just comes down to you're taking the best 28 north for the first month, you know, if it comes down to me for between the two guys, Reese McGuire and Alejandro Kirk, I, I would have to say right now, Alejandro Kirk. But, again, the pitchers are this deciding factor. of They're going to Pete Walker and saying, I'd rather have this guy trust him more with a runner on third base to flip my best secondary pitch. I know he's going to block it. I got faith in this guy to do that, and it just seems like for whatever reason, right now that guy is Reese McGuire instead of Alejandro Kirk. It is Blair and Barker, the podcast. You can subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast. Please rate and review. Uh, we'll be on again from 9 to 10 tomorrow, and uh, followed by the uh, Fan Canada soccer show or the Fan Soccer Show or whatever we're going to call it. Maybe the show to be named later. Um... So, Relvis Martinez had another home run. You've had a chance to see him now. And he, he was a guy that, you know, look, we didn't see a lot of him. We heard about him. We really started to hear about him around the trade deadline. It was pretty clear from talking to Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro that, that teams inquired about him pretty heavily at the, de- at the deadline. He's still a young kid. He's obviously got, uh, you know, he's obviously got room to improve, room to learn, all the usual caveats aside kevin what do you make of Arelvis martinez have you seen enough of him defensively to figure out whether or not this guy may be the third baseman of the future yeah i'm not sure about that i know he has a strong enough arm accuracy of his arm footwork first move uh knowing how to uh, to set up to get ready for big league hitters to consistently hit the ball hard to third base i'm not real sure about that i know he has uh, elite bat speed. I know he has the uh, power to the pull side, which is a big deal. We start still learning how to use. All right. We dropped Mr. Barker's line again. It's fun watching Barker react on FaceTime. I, I, I really do wish we could put that. I really wish we could put that on the air for people. Yeah, you're number one, Bark. I, I agree. Nate Pearson will join us, by the way, in the second half of the show. And, uh, a lot of conversation about Nate Pearson's role with the team this year. 
Understandably. Yeah. It's the guy a couple of years ago was far and away the best, the top pitching prospect in the organization. Obviously, Alec Manoa. Well, Alec Manoa is not really a prospect anymore because he's arrived. But, uh, boy, there's uh, there's a lot of talk about Nate Pearson. Um, a lot of it surrounding his role with this team coming out of spring training. It, it appears from a distance, and he's being stretched out, it, it appears from a distance as if this, this uh, as if we may see Nate Pearson in some sort of quote-unquote hybrid role. Uh, you've heard Kevin Barker talk about the, the fact that because of the shortened spring training, they're... There is a scenario, the Blue Jays are envisioning a scenario where perhaps you may piggyback Nate Pearson with somebody. You may be able to essentially use Nate Pearson the way Ross Stripling was was used last year. Uh, you know, Ross Stripling, Ross Stripling pitched a lot of innings for the Jays last year and was a, a pretty a pretty important contributor. And that may be the way forward for Nate Pearson because I think Barker and I are both on the same page here. I don't. If you're trying to win this year. Is your pitching staff better with Nate Pearson on it in some capacity? I, I think it absolutely is. I, I don't I guess you could send it down to AAA and stretch him out as a starter. I would rather have him on the major league staff. I'd rather get something out of him early. You know, it'll be interesting to see if Nate can adapt to that role because pitchers do like a routine. You know, pitchers are creatures of habit. So it'll be fascinating to talk to Nate and see where his head is at with that. I've got to think that you know, if you're Nate Pearson, your preferred position right now is major league player. You really don't care what the description is, swingman, hybrid, starter, closer, middle reliever. I don't, I don't think if you're Nate Pearson, you really give a give a rat's ass about about what people are calling you as long as as long as you're in the major leagues. So he will join us at nine forty, as we mentioned. Shy Davidi. Uh, we'll be along in a few minutes, and we will talk about uh, the Jays renewing the contracts of Alec Manoa and Bo Bichette yesterday and, and, and whether or not there's anything to read into that. We've said that at some point this organization is going to have to pony up a multi-year contract. You would think at some point this organization will have to pony up a multi-year contract for Bo Bichette and Vladdy Jr., not to mention Teoscar Hernandez. The Jays came to an agreement with Guerrero and Teoscar in arbitration, so they didn't go to a hearing. A little different in the case of Bo Bichette and, and Alec Manoa. They aren't arbitration eligible. I said there's a danger to read a great deal into, into the whole process that goes into determining how much a player gets, gets paid in his pre-arbitration years. But... You know, having spent a lot of time covering a team, Montreal Expos, that was built on young players, at least when I was there. There were times where negative feelings or bitterness, I wouldn't say anger, but there were times where bitterness lingered. There were t- there were times where, uh, you know, the, the, the bitterness of being renewed carried over into arbitration and eventually into free agency. Do we have Shy? Davidi? That says we try to get Barker's phone fixed up here. Let's bring in Shy Davidi of Sportsnet. Shy, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. First of all, uh, give us a little bit of a weather update there. Are we, are we looking at baseball today or 
does it look like it's going to be rained out? Well, I'm actually back in Toronto now, so... Uh, so you're useless to me. Uh, basically, basically. All right. Give me a forecast anyhow. Uh, I think uh, it looks pretty great here in Toronto, uh, so hopefully it's better in Dunedin, but uh, uh, yeah, that's all I got for you. At this yeah, point. that's all right. That's no problem. Um, so explain the, the renewal process to, to, to me and to our listeners. Is there anything to read into the fact that Alec Manoa and Bo Bichette were both renewed? Well, so basically, if you're a pre-arbitration player, the team gets to decide your salary. And obviously, relative to the major league minimum, and teams, certain teams have what they call a scale, kind of how they um, assign raises. And the Blue Jays have such a scale. Uh, and so they, they plug in uh, a player's active days of service and how much playing time they've had through that period of service. Uh, that co- that gives them a figure, and the players can make up to $40,000 above the major league minimum under the Blue Jays salary scale, plus bonuses of $10,000 each for a major award or an all-star selection. So that's the gist of how the salaries are put together um, through uh, a player's uh, pre-arbitration eligible season. Now, a player generally agrees to that salary but if a player doesn't agree to that number the team the team dictated number they can say they can refuse it and then the team gets to renew the salary at a number of their choosing uh now the under the, the standard player contract you know the policy is that if a player declines to accept the, the club's offer then he gets renewed at a number between what the team's uh, team salary scale number would have been and the major league minimum, the midway point between those two figures. So when a player ends up declining and getting renewed on the Blue Jays, that means that they end up getting paid less than what the team would have offered them. Now, the only reason to do that is if you're going to stand on principle and you are going to basically say, I'm unhappy with the, this number. I don't think it's a, it's a fair number. So I'm going to reject this. And then the player ends up taking a, a pay cut to, to prove the point. So what, what point is Bo trying to prove, Bo and Alec? Well, I mean, I haven't spoken to them directly. So, I, I mean, I don't know and I don't want to sort of speculate. But, you know, in general, when, when players get renewed, you know, they, they feel that they – deserved a higher figure than the salary scale allowed for them to have. And, you know, the the part of the point that you're trying to make is you're saying, like, I'm not going to agree to this. I'm not going to put my signature on this and and tell you that this is okay. So you can renew me, but I, uh, I don't like this figure. I don't think that this is commensurate to the performance that I delivered for you last year. Now, there's a new wrinkle under the new CBA, which is that there's a, for the first time, a bonus pool for pre-arbitration eligible players. So, you know, there's up to $50 million to be split, uh, or there's $50 million to be split among players in that category. And, you know, it's a, it's a bit of, there are several steps in terms of how that's divided, but safe, safe to say that, you know, at the end of this season, if both, you know, uh, Bichette and Manoa perform well, you know, they're going to get a top-up from that bonus pool. So this is a new wrinkle 
I, I, my guess is that teams like the Blue Jays feel that that will alleviate some of the friction points that have existed. But, you know, this, this happens a fair bit, uh, you know, and it's not uncommon with players who perform really well. You know, uh, a recent, relatively recent example was uh, Mookie Betts with the Boston Red Sox when he finished second in the MVP voting, and he ended up getting renewed at $950,000 by the Red Sox. And, you know, he, he felt he deserved a higher number, uh, and obviously the team disagreed and decided that was the figure. Uh, and, and certainly that carried over in the relationship there a bit longer term. But, you know, this is not unique to the Blue Jays by any sense of the imagination. Uh, it's really just a structure that, it, you know, in which players have basically zero leverage uh, and, and teams have full control that creates these frictions. Shy, do you do you think this fuels the fire for Bo and Alec Manoa? They're both tremendous competitors. They're looking for every little advantage. If you say no to a smaller or you know a, a little bit bigger number that they thought they expected, you know Bo was an All Star last year. Did, when they're getting turned down, do you think this fuels the fire a little bit more? I'm sure it, it does, but I also think that both those guys don't need that for motivation. Uh, you know, the, both those guys are pretty determined, as you know, Barker. And, you know, they're, they're going to be, you know, I just think that it, what it does, it, it sets the stage for sort of their financial future a little bit with the Jays and sort of saying that, you know, we're going to, we're determined to, to get what we feel is our value. And, you know, Bo Bichette is going to be eligible for arbitration at the end of this season. Uh, so obviously that's going to really dictate, future negotiations between him and the club. Uh, Manoa is still going to be a couple of years away, at least from, from arbitration. So, you know, he's got future renewals to think about, but, you know, as, as these guys sort of consider the, their financial, their financial futures with the club, uh, you know, renewals, renewals aren't the be all end all. It doesn't have to mean uh, that it, this was fire and brimstone, uh, but it clearly suggests that both players um, wanted to display their displeasure with, you know, the Blue Jays salary scale. Might it also suggest, and again, there's a danger, obviously, in trying to get inside Bo's head, and we'll wait, and I'm sure Bo will explain will explain this to us, but could it also be taken as an indication, Shy, that Bo, you know, he wants to talk about a, a multi-year contract with this team? Because I have heard players, I have had players tell me that one, again, guys covering, when I covered the Expos, one of the reasons they turned down the team's offer and elected to be renewed is they wanted to show the team that you know, they want to talk about a multi-year contract. Now, enough of this year-to-year thing. Do you think that may factor in here, that it may be a signal? Uh, you know, I don't – it's possible. I, I would I, – I don't know that – Bo doesn't seem to me like the type to, to play these sort of, uh, mm. you know, diplomatic – uh, d- diplomatic signaling. You know what I mean? If he if he was intent on something, I think he'd probably come out and say it. Right. Uh, and he, he, you know, he doesn't seem like the guy, who, like the type of guy who beats around the bush much. You know, um, I would I would think that you know the Blue Jays have to be thinking about this. Obviously, this would have been something that would naturally have been would probably naturally come up with Bo and Vlad and, and some other players. Uh, during the arbitration process in a normal spring, but because everything was so compressed and condensed because of the lockout, uh, you know, teams are sort of just getting their heads above water right now. 
because you know some of the offseason moves free agency played out maybe a bit slower than they might have expected and then it was right into arbitration which is a huge investment of time and resources and then right into renewals and sort of now they might have a bit more of an opportunity to sort of gasp for some air uh, and try to you know figure out a more strategic next step so you know that's certainly something that could come up uh, you know if you're the Blue Jays the 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 timing for trying to extend both Bo and Vlad, you know, the longer that they wait, assuming both players continue to perform, you know, the more expensive and more difficult it's going to be, right? You look at sort of what's happening with the, the Nationals and Juan Soto, you know, Juan Soto's Juan Soto can see free agency a couple of years away. And he looks at the way you can look at the market this off season and, you know, Juan Soto can certainly think to himself that he's got a shot at $400 million, maybe $500 million on a long-term deal once he gets to free agency. Um, and, you know, Bo and Vlad are going to be looking at the market the same way. You know, I think, you know, the Fernando Tatis deal is very much, uh, you know, a bit of a flagpole for, for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I think if you're Bo Bichette, you know, you're looking at Corey Seager uh, and you're thinking maybe longer term as to what Carlos Correa may get on, an, on a future deal. Uh, and that's probably where you're headed too. So, you know, the longer that the Blue Jays wait on both those players, the more the price is likely to go up. Yeah, Shai, you know as well as I do, I've been in clubhouses, you've been in clubhouses, you know, when the superstars are thinking, look, I see my buddy over there getting exactly what he wanted to get and there was no hassle. Now I'm having to go through what I'm going through. They have long memories. And this just seems to me like something going into this season, as big a deal as this season is and as much as they need Bo thinking about everything that has to do with baseball instead of thinking about this, I I, I just don't see why this, is, this would be a thing for the Blue Jays. That, that's me on the outside looking in. Yeah, I get that. I think that the challenge if you're if you're the Blue Jays, what you want to do is you want to have some sort of structure of uniformity when you're dealing with these contracts, right? And that's why they have a salary scale. And again, lots of this is not unique to the Blue Jays. Lots of teams operate in this fashion. Um, you know, the 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 problem is when you start making exceptions for one or two guys, then you know other players start saying, "Well, I mean, I, I deserve an exception too. What about me?" Um, you know why? Why aren't I being compensated in the same way? Or why? Why don't? Why aren't I getting the same consideration? And so that's where it becomes a bit of a slippery slope. And you know, I think teams are hopeful that the, the you know the bonus pool alleviates a lot of that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, players want that guarantee and saying, "Hey, we deserve a higher base." And that was obviously a massive issue during negotiations over the collective bargaining agreement. You know, the, the players' union managed to negotiate, um, you know, a record increase in minimum salaries. Uh, they had hoped to expand arbitration uh, to more players uh, between two and three years of service time. Bo Bichette would have been one of the beneficiaries of that, and that would have been a way for him to accelerate his salary in a more significant way. But in the absence of that, you have this imperfect system in which teams ex- essentially control the process, uh, players have essentially no leverage, and all they can really do is, you know, try and hope that teams will be a bit more generous. Uh, again, you know, like the, there was one point, uh, I think this was in 2014, where, you know, Trout had, uh, within the zero to three years, had finished back-to-back years as a runner-up for MVP, uh, and the Angels decided to renew him at a million dollars. You know, that which I believe is the record for 
uh, for those t- for that class of player. You know, so so sometimes teams will act uh, outside of their norms under extraordinary circumstances. Uh, but by and large, you know, teams are going to stick to their systems, uh, and players have little choice but to accept it. Shy, I know we only have you for a couple more minutes. What we're we're going to be joined by joined by Nate Pearson in a few minutes. How do you think the Jays? find a role for Nate Pearson this spring. Are you buying into the whole hybrid? He breaks camp with the team and he's a hybrid, at least at the start of the year. Is that where you see this going? I mean, that's my expectation. Uh, you know, as long as, as long as he's healthy and throwing the ball the way that he can, I, I'm not sure what he's getting uh, beyond a physical base by starting him in Buffalo. I mean, like, this is a, a guy who's going to help your team. And, you know, I think one potential blueprint for how the Blue Jays could use him this year was uh, similar to the way the Rays used Patino last year, hmm. um, where he came in a- in a bunch of different roles. And sometimes he was, uh, you know, a bulk guy in a game. Sometimes he was a two or three inning opener. Uh, sometimes he was a starter going, you know, five, five plus. You know, that might be the a, a good methodology with Pearson this year, where you know you're building up his his base in term and his capacity to carry innings. And then you're also maximizing him and not letting him wither in the minor leagues. So, you know, it's going to require a lot of creativity. It's going to certainly require some buy-in on his end, if that's the route they decide to go. Um, But I'm just not certain that there's anything for him that he's going to really accomplish in the minor leagues. And, it's clear that he's got a chance to be a significant major league contributor. And, you know, you're, you're in a, you're in a win now situation. And, you know, the one thing that last year should teach everybody is that, you know, every single game counts because you're not sure which one is the one that may end up costing you a, a spot in the postseason. So, you know, I think they have to, they have to go with their best roster. Uh, Pearson is a hundred percent, one of their 13 best pitchers. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I'd be very surprised if they don't find a place for him. Shy, really good insight as always. Greatly appreciated. Thanks for your time. Thanks, yeah, Shy. No Have a great day, guys. Thank yeah. you. Take care. Shy Davidi, MLB Insider with Sportsnet, with a great breakdown of the whole renewal process. And, um, you know, as, as, as I said, these things, I mean, Shy used Mookie Betts as an example. Juan Soto as an example. Um, I, I certainly... I certainly, it wouldn't be panic stations for me yet with Bo Bichette and the Blue Jays. But um, I, I, I am of the belief that it's generally a good thing to be on the same page as your core players all the time. But as, as Shai said, Bark, I mean, we've, we've spoken to Bo enough. I, I can't imagine Bo woke up this morning angry at the world because, because of this. Oh, okay, listen, at every job, there's exceptions to every rule, and, and baseball's no different. There, there's a hierarchy in that clubhouse, and Bo, you know, is one of those guys. And I would think going into a season that means as much as the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays as an organization have spent a ton of money. They're all in. Their chips are at the middle of the table here. You know, they've given up prospects. And to have your quarterback on the field thinking even a little – that you know they're on the not on the same page of, of how they feel about him. I don't know if that's the case or not. I'm just saying mm-hmm. when you don't pay a guy what the guy's asking for, you're telling that guy something. And 
Look, I, I've been in enough clubhouses, I've been around enough rich people to know, Jeff, and you have too, to know how it is when, you know, you're you're bickering back and forth about whatever. Now, this is small change compared to what he is going to get down the road. But, again, it makes everybody feel right when you're just saying, okay, I want this number. It's not a giant mm-hmm. number, but I want this number to make me happy. And then they come back and say, nah, not really. We're not going to give you that. that that would make you feel a little bit like, why? Why are you not giving it to me? And he's a human being. He's a kid, Jeff. He's not a he's not a grown man yet. He's a kid. So it would definitely, for me, if I'm in his shoes, I'm thinking about it a little. He is one of the focal points in spring training. His, uh, I'm going to say future with the team, but his, his, his place on the team is a subject of much discussion, something a lot of people are paying a close eye to in spring training. He's Nate Pearson. He joins us next. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the Blair and Barker podcast. Blair and Barker show on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your favorite pods. Please rate, review, and subscribe. A reminder that as of April 4th, we will be on from 10 to noon on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, with Blue Jays talk immediately following every Blue Jays regular season game. And uh, we'll be on as well. I'll be on on Sunday. I think, Barker, you're flying back from Florida Sunday. So, once again, I'll be doing all the lifting. Be afraid to do something. It's the way it's always going to be, I can tell. Wow. Who's in Florida and who's in Toronto right now? Yeah, I know. No, hey, no. Zip. It's, 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 it's Zip a it. statement of fact. It, it, it is a statement of fact. Um, but once the season starts, Barker will be with me and we'll be taking your calls. And I'm going to let you handle the callers. Nice. Yeah. 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 Nice. You say that every single time we take calls and then you overwhelm no, this, the caller this, this and time, never let the caller no, no, speak. No, no. This time I will. This this time I don't overwhelm them. We are the we are a show for the people. Okay. I'm told. Uh do we have Nate Pearson with us? Parker, I do have oh, some Oh, go ahead. You've got your finger no. raised, and and not that finger that you usually have raised. You got the other I finger d- raised. You want a point? To, you have. A point I do. To make. Yes. I have some breaking news. The game has been canceled. Oh no! What will we do? Well, I'm going to go throw my son in the pool when we're done here, because you know what's the difference if you're swimming in the rain or not? Who cares about that? So, as long as there's I'm no thunderstorm, do, I'm going to do it. No, there is no thunderstorms. It's just raining and cloudy and overcast, but it's still seventy. All right, so the game is rained out. Now, what would Kevin Barker do? What would Kevin Barker, the guy who showed up at spring training with first base on his license plate that first year? (laughs) As Sean Casey, that is my favorite story of all time. Barker shows up in a Nova with first base in his license plate. Uh, was not a Nova. It was a Honda Prelude. Okay. On a, Get it straight. Sorry, a Honda Prelude. So the game is rained out. What, what are guys going to do now? They're obviously, you know, they're going to get their work in and everything. But 
what are guys going to do now when a game's rained out? You said guys, depending on the guy. If you're a guy on the bubble trying to make a team, you're you're staying there to your hands. Hanging bleed. around, <laughs> coach. Look over here at me. Listen to the noise, coach. Make sure you leave the coach's door cracked open enough that he can hear you taking soft toss in the cage. So he sticks his head out there and goes, "Hey, look who's in the cage? It's Barker." Yeah, that would be me. But if you're Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you know you go about your everyday. You don't worry about who's watching. You don't. You know, you, you do your thing. When you're done with your thing, you leave. Hey, did guys did guys lift a lot in spring training more than than the regular season? I know these guys these guys have got all these, you know, they've got weight programs and, and not just weight programs. They've got got at that facility, they probably it's probably like they've got a Frankenstein thing set up, right, where they have electrodes all over them and they're strapped into a table and they're probably doing all sorts of weird weird things to to, to get their muscles relaxed or to build up their muscles. But <laughs> I don't shouldn't have, shouldn't have gone there, should I? But in spring training, will guys lift more, lift less? It's very it's a very individual thing. Uh, I, I had my routine when I played. I, I tried to play as much winter ball as possible to get me because I did have a longer swing. I, I hate to say it, and I'm going to say it out loud. I did have a little longer swing. The more at bats I had, the better chance I had of getting in an athletic position, and my hands were more direct to the baseball, gave me a chance to impress more. So I tried to play winter ball up until the the closest point I could play winter ball to go into spring training as hot as I could. But that's, you know, I was a different kind of bird. I, I I had to do that. And then there's everybody else. Everybody else has their own routine. It's very individual. Nate Pearson's going to have a different routine than Alec Manoa has. Uh, Ryu will have a different routine than Jose Barrios. You know, Barrios seems like a guy that has to do a lot. Ryu is, you know, he's more of a a, a structured here, you know, we're going to do this a little bit. We're going to do that a little bit. We're going to ease into it. And, you know, it's very individual. It doesn't matter. It's about performance at this level when these guys are getting paid what they're getting paid. And they know their own bodies. They know what it takes to get them ready. And yeah, that, that's the beauty of spring training. So th- to answer your question, it's it's almost impossible to answer it. It's, it's you know, uh, Nate Pearson would have a different answer than Kevin Barker would have. Uh, you know, and you could go down the list on the Toronto Blue Jays roster on what their answers would be. But, you know, it is it is spring training was never fun for me. I have to be honest with you. I know everybody's like, oh, it's so much fun. You get to you work for two hours and then you go play golf. No, that's a starting pitcher who's established, who makes tons of money. And there's everybody else. Everybody else has to get it done and out there getting burnt in the sun, trying to impress coaches so that if you don't make a team, they at least remember who you were when you go to the minor leagues and you're hitting. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. He's pretty good <laughs> at baseball. So that, you know, it's. It's a it's a different kind of thing when for everybody at spring training. Well, here's a guy that doesn't have to impress the coaches. He uh, Felipe Alou used to always have a line about a player. Say, I, I see I see the guy walk into my I see the guy walk into my clubhouse and I automatically feel better about my team. And uh, <laughs> you could put this guy in that category for sure. He is Nate Pearson. We're very pleased that he joins us on Blair and Barker. Nate, thanks so much for joining Kevin myself. We trust you're doing well. Uh, looked pretty good from what we saw the other day on TV. Just just give us kind of a, a summation of where you think you are right now because this is, I was going to say this is a different spring, but let's face it, given COVID-19 and everything, you've, in your young career, you, you've had a lot of different springs, haven't you? Yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, this is probably going to be the first semi-normal year. Obviously, spring training's kind of cut short, but... Uh, excited to get going we got a great squad this year so it's gonna have be a lot of fun up in uh up in toronto this year for sure 
So Nate, what's the what's the goal here? You know, the the I'm sure coming into this thing, you were thinking goal is make the team first. But you know, it's it's now you're for me anyway. You're you're not a minor leaguer anymore. You're a big leaguer going into this thing. What was your goal? You know, was it was it the velocity? Was it add another pitch? Be better with that? What was the goal coming into spring training? Uh, I'd say my my main goal is just you know just be as consistent as I can. You know that's. That's what it takes to be uh, uh, really good up in the big leagues, and uh, that's what I really try to work on this offseason, just be really consistent, you know, throwing strikes, feeling good, um, just uh, take it from one outing to, to the next, and um, think we're off to a good start. Yeah, you mentioned consistency. Is there is there a velocity that, that would tell you you're exactly where you want to be? Is it 95? Is it, you know, pitching at 97, 98? What's that velocity that you think when you turn around and see it, ah, I'm exactly where I want to be? You know, I definitely think it's uh, mid to upper 90s. If I can hover around there and then reach back for the triple digits every once in a while when, when I need to, I think that will be a, uh, be a good spot to be at because I'm being stretched out as a starter. So, you know, I think uh, mid to upper 90s, you know, say like five to eight and reach back for nine triple digits. Uh, I think that'll be pretty good. But, you know, I'm not really uh, focusing on velocity, more like, more just uh, being consistent with my mechanics and uh, focusing on off speed and not being too predictable in, uh, in hitters counts or in pitchers counts. Nate, we had Shai Davidi on a little earlier, and, and he was talking about how you might fit into things given the fact, given where the rotation is now. And, and he talked about how, you know, the Rays were able to succeed last year w- with uh, with some young pitchers by by sort of using them. I hate the hybrid, uh, you know, the hybrid name, but that was kind of the way the way these guys were viewed. And I, I'm just wondering, is it have we gone beyond the point now where a guy has to be known as a starter or has to be known as a reliever or has to be known as a closer? Can can have we gone beyond that as far as you're concerned? You know, especially with where our team's uh, set up, we have so much depth. And, you know, we were, we built a championship team. And I think that's that's what we have brewing in this clubhouse. And when you have that caliber of a team, and, you know, it's all hands on deck, you know, whatever we can use guys as, you know, the, the best guys are going to play. And whatever role that is, you know, obviously we have the – uh, five-man uh, rotation kind of lock if everyone, uh, granted after everyone stays healthy, which uh, they will. But, um, you know, I don't know exactly what my role will be, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to pitch in the big leagues, whichever, uh, whatever role that may be, and it's going to be uh, it's gonna be a real fun season. Nate, not knowing what your role may be, last year, you know, you were two-pitch guy, and it was real good. Like, it was coming out. You were on the mound. You had some vinegar. Like, you were beating the guy. I talk about this all the time because I used to try and hit the big league level. That guy, you beating him on the on-deck circle. You were doing that with two pitches. You're talking about that versatility, about that hybrid guy. What's the challenges for you to say, okay, when I'm a hybrid guy and I'm, I'm wherever, I'm all over the place, I can do it with two pitches. But if I start, now maybe I need to mix in a third and fourth pitch is that a big challenge for you uh you know it's, there's a bunch of challenges with being a starter in the big leagues obviously you're facing guys more than uh more than once when i was a reliever you're kind of just facing uh facing a guy once uh, when you get into the game but uh you know i i, I came up through the myers as a starter throwing uh three four pitches so you know i'm not i'm not far off and i think i could be pretty consistent at it whatever role they need you know i threw three pitches in my uh 
my first outing. You know, got two strikeouts on my curveball, one on my slider, and one on my heater. So I used three three pitches to get to record some outs. And I think if I just bring that into the season, I think I'll be in pretty good shape. Hey, Nate, how, how have you changed over the, you know, the course of the, the early stage of your career from the first time you were in big league camp to now? How, how have you changed? Have you changed in terms of approach and maybe even in terms of mindset? Are you kind of still the same guy you were when you, you first walked into that, that facility? You know, I'd probably say a little bit of both. You know, I'm definitely the the same uh, the same guy, but then again, I'm also I also learned a lot over these past three years. You know, trying to figure out what works for me routine wise. You know, um, picking brains from all these other guys that we're signing, like Gosman, Berrios, watching Manoa succeed up in the big leagues, Ryu, um, Stripling. We got we got a bunch of guys that I can just pick brains and uh, just just learn learn from these guys and it's uh it's been a real fun process nate you mentioned all those guys and and you say kikuchi is is one of those guys left-handed sort of a little bit like you could be a left-handed nate pearson is there you know when you first saw him maybe standing around him even the sound when the ball hits the the mitt is there something that stood out to you that you were like wow that that's pretty cool yeah i just i just like his delivery man it's so fluid and it looks effortlessly um He's he's got a great one, and I think he's going to succeed really well with our, with our team. And he already fits right in with our clubhouse, man. He's a he's a great dude. Nate, uh, we're going to let you run. Really appreciate you doing this. Thanks for your time. Thanks so much. Stay uh, stay healthy, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in Toronto, my friend. Be well. Yeah. Good luck, Nate. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Take care. That's Nate Pearson. Um, and and it's it, it's funny, you know. I, it, I I'm trying to think of the conversation. Uh, it was a couple of years ago. It may have even been on our show, Kevin, but it might have been Pete, frankly. It might have been Pete Walker. But we were talking about how this, like Nate Pearson's generation, um, the guys who are around his age or or his peers or, or the guys that are younger, they have, they're so, they have such an understanding of analytics, they have such an understanding of technology. I mean, they 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 have such a detailed understanding, not just of their game, but where the game is. That I think, in a lot of ways, Kevin, it's a little easier to convince a guy that he doesn't have to have a label to have a spot in your team, right? That's why I asked him. You do not have to be Nate Pearson starter, Nate Pearson swingman, Nate Pearson closer. I mean, it's it's great if you can get into it, if you can become a, if, if next year Nate Pearson's a starter and next year Nate, Nate Pearson's a closer, that's, that's going to be really good. But I think guys have enough of an understanding now because of analytics that they realize that there are a lot of ways to get to 100 innings in the majors. Like Ross Stripling's an example. There are a lot of ways to do that, aren't there, if you're a young guy. And it's not, it's not, a, it's not an insult now to be looked at as the hybrid guy coming out of camp. Yeah, well, on the flip side of that with Nate Pearson, I, I'm not sure 
if Nate's good enough to use the third pitch. That that'd be the one thing, and that's why I asked him about the how hard is it being a hybrid, a versi- versatile guy where you come out of a bullpen, you're facing say six batters, you can do it with two pitches. Now you're what he was saying. You see it second time through. You got to sprinkle in the curveball. You got to sprinkle in the changeup. You got to have good arm speed. You got to tunnel it the same way. You can't. You got to make it. You know where it, all the pitches look the same. Can Nate Pearson do that? And I've said this to you, you know, over and over and over again. I think they have to give Nate Pearson a label. Say, here's what you're going to do. Simplify this thing. Mm, I want to see. I want to see the 99 all the time. I don't want to see 95. I don't think Nate Pearson stuff plays at 95. Isn't it Nate plays Pearson, at 98, 99? Isn't Nate Pearson major league pitcher enough of a label? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Whenever I was in the big leagues, uh, I had to earn my way at first base, and then I didn't, and it was impossible for me to figure out a routine to to be the best player I can be to keep myself in the big leagues, and it cost me big league time. Can Nate do this? Like this is these are big shoes to fill. To say here, Nate, I know you have tremendous stuff. I know what you went through, ups and downs, injury wise and and performance wise. Now, for me, he's reached the point in his career. It is about performance. It ain't about wow, look how big he looks and look how hard he throws. No, can you get a guy out in the seventh inning when it matters the most on the road, say against the Red Sox? Can you do that in Fenway Park? If you can't, you're not going to be in the big leagues much longer. That's my point. We're going to find out this year if he's good enough Jeff to do exactly what I just mentioned be a two-pitch guy or will he have to sprinkle in a third or fourth pitch and can he successfully do that the you say uh, question that I asked him if you'd ask him that answer that question two years ago it wouldn't have been the answer it was when the first thing out of his mouth was I love his mechanics <laughs> what yeah. he's grown up now uh I gave you an assignment yesterday You've only got a couple more days of this. I gave you an assignment yesterday to uh, to dig into, and this is, I know, this is like, you have to go to the general manager to do this, or the president. So. But I gave you an assignment to see what the scuttlebutt is around camp about extensions for Bo or Vladdy. Well, we know that Bo was renewed yesterday. We know that Vladdy came to an agreement with the team on his arbitration figure. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, probably not the best example of timing but Barker what have you been able what are people saying about it never mind the, the organization isn't going to give us the nuts and bolts details of it but what are, what are folks saying about it around camp it's got to be the elephant in the room is it not yeah, well, I don't think so. I think it's it's very hush hush. You know, you, you look at the boat thing. You're right. It's bad timing. This question's very, very, you know, not not the easiest to answer if you if you're on Bose in Bose camp. The Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It's hush hush. You know, because that number's going to be super big. Now, what will that number be? You know, you talk about Juan Soto being the best left-handed hitter in baseball. I'll give you an example, Jeff Blair. If Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has something close to what he did last year, this year. I'll tell you what I think that's going to start with. Just, just saying, Juan Soto's best left-handed hitter, and they're rumbling of the 500 mark. So what does Vladdy start with? Okay, well, he's the say he's the best right-handed hitter in baseball. I know what I would think. Okay, we'll, we'll roughly say it, 13 years at $500 million. That's about 38.4 a year for 13 straight years. Would you do it? Luckily, we're almost out of time, so uh, I don't have to come up with an answer to that particular question. You put me on the spot. I might as well put you on. Well, yeah, you're in Florida. You are on the spot. You are you're on the spot reporter. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna defer on that. Oh yeah. I need, I need to think about it. I need to think about it. I need. I, I really do need to think about it. I just do. 
I'm, I'm sorry, I just do, but the ballsy call by you. I got a much easier assignment for you. This is from Mark Paddock, a friend of the show. Mark Paddock wants to know if you can find out how many pitchers will be ready to throw 80 pitches on opening day for the Blue Jays. Uh, any, anybody going to be like Max Scherzer, 76 pitches yesterday, his first outing? I think he was just looking. He saw Rob Manfred's face in the catcher's glove. I think that's what it was. And he just kept pounding in and pounding in and take that. Take that, Rob. Take that, Kamish. So that's your assignment for tomorrow. How many J starters will be ready to throw 80 pitches on opening day? I, I already know half that answer. Yeah, I know, but you need the full answer. It's easier than the last question. Barker, go and enjoy the sunshine. Oh, I forgot. It's pissing rain. Well, too bad. See you tomorrow. Enjoy the 30, de- enjoy the 30 degrees.